Hello, unfiltered friends. Today we have on Joe Penna. Joe Penna was one of the pioneers of YouTube, amassing millions of followers before that was commonplace with his channel, Mystery Guitar Man. But beyond that, he's one of my closest friends. From immigrating to the US as a kid to writing and directing his own films starring people like Mads Mikkelsen and Anna Kendrick, he is truly an inspiration. So without further ado, here is Joe Penna. Welcome to the Unfiltered Friends Podcast. Before we introduce you to our next friend, I want you to take a moment to think about everything that led you to where you are right now. Do you see how strong you are? Do you see how great your story is? I hope you do, and I hope you learn great lessons and get inspired by our next friend's story on the Unfiltered Friends Podcast. Well, let's get into it. Hello, Joe Penna. Hello, Christopher. How do you do? Hello, my friend. Man. It is so cool to sit. I know this is going to be an interesting conversation because we were very much intertwined uh, in each other's journey, at least content-wise, from the very, very beginning. At the, least content-wise. Come on. It, like, literally, you you found my first apartment in Los I, Angeles. I know. You, I know. Like, you were the best man at my wedding. I'm I know. Scared. I know. I know. It was such a privilege, man, when I saw that video and I saw your wedding video and that my best man speech was the intro. I just, every time I listen, I cry because that's such an important <laughs> moment. And the fact that they would use my words for that. The f yeah. I, I never forget, though, Sarah's dad being like, I was like, man, there was something I wanted to say. And Sarah's dad just stopping everything and having me do oh, yeah. a second best man speech. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> probably could have done without that. But it was still it was still really cute one of the things that's always made me really proud of you is is your roots and how you ended up even being here in the united states in order to accomplish the things that that you accomplished now yeah. and um so you moved here when you were 10 years old right i was yeah uh, uh no it was 11 come on Man, I'm sorry. You, you know nothing about me. I know. Jeez, I was 11. I was about to turn 12. It was uh, May 22nd in 1999. I do the math, kids. Mm -hmm. You were in middle school. I was uh, about to graduate high school. <laughs> but the way and, that but the way that you got here was like such an interesting thing. Can you talk about that? We had a lot of people who had come to the United States um, from Brazil, you know, and a lot of them would just work and then go back work go back work and then go back right mm -hmm. um usually doing the jobs that are kind of uh that people who live here don't want to do right uh the the bad bad jobs um so but my parents they, they wanted us to like go to high school here to like possibly go to college here and if we wanted to go back then then yeah so for that you have to come uh, through this whole process right you have to come uh, into a port of entry. So we, we arrived in, in Florida. Um, and you have to tell them like, we're here for, to apply for, for living here, right? Like you have to apply within the United States within a certain amount of time they give you, um, why am I getting into like the, the you know, UC, SIS politics. Because, like, man, United it's, States. I mean, it's really yeah. relevant, especially with a lot of the stuff that we have going on in this country. Like, it's, it's true. People need to understand the process. And this was, I mean, obviously, this was the process like 20 years ago or yeah. so, but like, 
it's like even 20 years ago, it seems like it's a really harrowing uh, ordeal to to get to where you ended up. It really was. But, you know, thankfully, we had uh, someone who we could trust. We had a lawyer that had been working with like hundreds of different immigrants who, you know, it was it's expensive. Right. But we had heard from enough people that. Um, that that was the way to go, right? Was to go with this Brazilian lawyer. And because he's Brazilian, he not only is your lawyer, but he also has like an offshoot of his company that's like, he's your CPA, he he does everything, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, it's a little bit more expensive, but like um, he has contacts, he has like, he's he's the guy to go to. So we do, right? He's he's doing like tons of people. We're living in, in New England at the time, Massachusetts, uh, but he's he's from... Uh, Connecticut, and he's working with all the people around that area. So, you know, we're, we're doing so well. Um, and the way that it works is, you know, you can apply eight different ways uh, to, to stay in America, right? You just need one of those ways to work, and then you get a green card, right? So my mom was pregnant at the time. So therefore, you know, we, we could apply uh, in order for like my, 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 my my brother, my son, my brother to be born here in the United States, right? Okay, um, they deny it. Um, it's like, okay, well, then we'll apply in some other way. Uh, my father's a pastor, so going down that path, usually that's a yes, but for some reason they deny it. Uh, and then, you know, you appeal once, you get one appeal. Uh, and if they say no, then it's a no, right? Uh, because the system is so bogged down with a lot of people trying to apply and not enough judges, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we just keep going down these paths and this is like three years, four years, five years, six years going down like every legal path to try to stay in the United States. But not only is, are are we getting denied left and right, but also like everyone kind of around us is getting denied left and right. Mm. Um, and our lawyer is telling us like, you know, um, now that, uh, George W. Bush is the president, um, you know it's it's much much harder to get your legal citizenship here i am you know like i'm about to go into high school now at this point uh, i we've been here for years in america so you can stay the whole time you're doing this application process and you must you cannot leave actually oh uh, you know like my grandfather um got really sick um and my aunt couldn't go see him and he died mm. uh, and she couldn't attend the funeral you know Gosh. like um, there were some times where like, um, you know, my whole school went on a trip to Quebec. I can't go to Quebec because I then wouldn't be able to get back into the United States. You know, it's like, oh, uh, you left the United States, therefore you forfeited your application, right? That's so restrictive. Uh, yeah. My grandmother died. My dad couldn't go see her. Like, it's, it's you have to stay. You have to stay. What's the purpose um, of that? Did they explain why you had to stay? Um, I, I don't exactly know why, but it, you... I don't know, actually. Yeah, um, that'd be might have changed things around now, but uh, but yeah. Um, but eventually, we we realized that like there wasn't any way possible. So miraculously, my dad is able to get a job in New Zealand, right? Um, and I'm like, I guess I'm gonna have to move to New Zealand. And literally, we're you know he's about to send like a his letter of resignation to his uh, current company that he was working at. He went from like working during this whole time like delivering pizzas to like working as like lead engineer of this massive company right like um really proud of what he had done uh my mom too like you know went from just like 
working at a hotel, like eight months pregnant, you know, mm -hmm. uh, like to now like opening up a little school, right? So both of them, you know, like kind of making it work, but not allowed to stay here in the US. Um, so then we just hear knock at our door. We open up the door and it's like, like the movies, right? Black sunglasses, black SUV, holding up a little little wallet thingy, whatever they call it, right? Mm -hmm. Little thing that says, hey, um, this is the FBI. Uh, can we come in? Turns out our lawyer was a fraud. <gasps> our lawyer had been like stealing money from people. They were like, when did you get to the US? We said 99. They so he said, okay, so not like 94. Um, the reason why the FBI was getting involved along with the IRS is because he claimed a bunch of back taxes for hundreds of people. There was like tens of millions of dollars in back taxes that because he was the quote unquote CPA, he would just like send to himself. Whoa. How would we know? Whoa, Otherwise. that's disgusting. That's, that's gross. Gross. Yeah. yeah, like, you know, like these people are like working these jobs at minimum wage, like three or four jobs sometimes, all minimum wage, you know, like barely getting any sleep at all in order to pay like all of these fees for all of these appeals and, and things like that. So not only is he stealing from the government, he's stealing from the, from like a, people who just don't have any money, you know, and just chasing and the that, dream. That's all they're doing. That's all they're doing. Oh, right? God, like they provide that, gives for their the, families. that gives me the ick. Right. Like, and they're doing it legally. They're doing it like through the system. And, and he just, that's what it was right news of this got out and then we're like okay cool now we can stay in the united states right because all those were like false filings he'd messed something up on purpose in order for a case to be rejected right we'll just have to reapply um and then another knock at our door and we open up and it's this older guy who kind of like sort of speaks some Spanish. We're like, we, we speak English, my dude. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> I'm a, I used to be an immigration judge and I read about what this guy did. So I'm taking on as many of these cases pro bono as I can. Um, so we're like, oh, amazing. What? Like an immigration judge, he's going to be able to get us um, like uh, this, no big deal. And then he's like, "Oh no, yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really hard. It's it's likely gonna be impossible. Your case because he exhausted every single filing, and those were legitimate filings, mm. even though he messed up something on purpose, right? Those were legitimate filings. So like, think of any reason possible mm -hmm. for you to be able to stay in the United States. Like, what is some sort of reason? We were like, we 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 don't know. Like, a, what's asylum? But like, yeah." So basically, you'd be able to go back to any country except Brazil if you get asylum here. You know, we're like, oh my god, that's the best choice that we have. And like, what would we ever say, even? Because you have like, family well, back there, right? You're essentially you like giving up access family. to your family forever, right? <sighs> um, possibly, well, at least until we get our citizenship, which is like ten years. Mm -hmm. right? We had already not seen our family for years and years and years, and now. 10 more years that's crazy that's crazy and so we were like okay well asylum it is but like if we don't know what to say he's like well asylum is only gonna we're only gonna get it uh, unless there's like a credible fear for your life 
And my dad was like, yeah, I guess, I guess they're, you know, it's only in Rio. And the judge is like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, well, I'm an identical twin. And my brother works like in Rio, like against drug trafficking stuff. So he needs like, you know, bulletproof cars and he needs like people taking care of him at all times. And, and the the lawyer judge like nearly fell out of his chair. He's like, oh, okay. So you have a legitimate case for asylum for goodness sake. <laughs> like just do it. So we apply for it. And, and yeah, it set precedence as like the first time that someone got asylum because of a credible fear of someone else's life. Based on being a twin. That's crazy. Based on being a man. twin. Yeah. Okay. So you, you're in the States this whole time going through this process. You moved here. Did you speak English at all? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I sp spoke English very well. I knew two words already. <laughs> oh, what were the two words? Uh, well, a word and a half. I, I knew the word balloon. Right. Uh, <laughs> okay. Why knew... balloon? Because the word in Portuguese is balloon, which is oh, close enough. Cognates. We know? love those. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and then I also knew half of the word uh, welcome. Um, so just well? So, so not nah, well, the, the whole word welcome, but I knew it, it in the sense of like, welcome to this country, as opposed to like, you're welcome, you know? Oh, I guess uh, that would I probably know. be confusing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and I'm like, wait, what's the same? It's the same word. Like, I, I didn't just arrive. Like, I just, I just asked for that thing, and you handed it to me. Why are you telling me welcome? Because mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I said, I remember, I, I got stuck in a loop one time. Someone said, uh, I said, oh, thank you, and and because I had learned that at that point, and someone's like, oh, you're welcome, and I'm like, welcome, oh. and I'm like, thank you. And they're like, oh, you're welcome. And I'm like, what? why is it? They keep telling me welcome. I have to thank them <laughs> for, for saying welcome. Thank you. They're like, okay, I'm going to stop this because clearly you won't. There's so many nuanced <laughs> things that you just like understand as a right. native English speaker that I can see being very confusing for someone's like, wait, what? It means this Order and man. this and this. <laughs> so what is it? what is it like at that age, speaking no English, going into... American schools that American schools don't teach other languages aren't conducive to like I've seen I, I I know friends that were in ESL classes and stuff like that and they really struggled in those classes so what was it like for you you're in a new country new culture unsure of like what whether you're going to be able to stay or not and you don't speak the language what was it like learning to I don't know associate with this new world you were in it was tough you know um especially seventh grade which is just the the hardest the worst time to move right like um and especially me because in brazil you know we only have three years of high school um so therefore everything else up until that time is a little bit accelerated right um some some places have three years of high school um i was in an accelerated program so therefore i skipped sixth grade so i was the youngest kid in seventh grade mm. um you know i was always the youngest kid everywhere you know like i was the last one to get a car or the last one to etc cetera, etc cetera. uh but first getting there i didn't realize that like the clicks that you see in in movies you know in the like the the table with the cheerleaders and the table with the with the goth kids and the table with the whatever kids like I didn't think that was real, right? I thought that was just is it movies. not like that in Brazil? 
Not really, no. Uh, it's it's kind of just like everyone kind of mixes together a little bit more. Maybe nowadays, or, or maybe a little bit later. It, mm. You know, was uh, you know I hadn't gotten that far yet. You know, um, right? Because I was just in fifth grade in Brazil, and but up until that moment, I hadn't experienced it. Mm -hmm. um, um, but you know, I've heard from friends of mine who moved here while they were in high school recently to high school in America that it is indeed like you know way more clicky here yep, sure America, is <laughs> you know? and i happened to be living in plymouth massachusetts at the time where the uh they have the the mayflower there and the pilgrims and you know touristy town and i didn't um I, there weren't that many brazilians it was like the one city in all of massachusetts that didn't have that many brazilians <laughs> uh so i couldn't like understand anybody i i was kind of like throwing wolves you know or the american seventh graders which you know wolves i think i'd rather yes uh, you know? <laughs> that's very valid yeah. man uh finishing therapy uh was a lot of the big a lot of it was talking about <laughs> things that have it's really weird as a grown man talking about stuff that happened to you in middle school right but that like, stuff stays with you about seventh grade jeez like it's super who cares what cassandra said to you during like whatever you lunch, do you know you do yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, natural do. yeah waking up in the middle of the night being like oh god wait i was singing i feel like a woman i now understand what that means um <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was the craziest thing so um a little side tangent before i, I tell you what how horrible seventh grade was um so I have this memory, like crazy memory where I can listen to a song once and just like know every lyric, know the the, the key that it's in forever, right? Mm -hmm. uh, my mom was was a genius back in, in Brazil and still a genius now, but also a genius back in Brazil. And like, she was a great teacher. She realized this. She knew that I was struggling with math at the time, like the times tables. So she made them into little songs. Mm. I had been struggling for like three years on how to like do the, the like the, the five times table, the six, the seven, the eighth times table, like eight, uh, eight nine, 16. Uh, but then she taught me little songs that to this day I use whenever I use multiplication. Overnight, I learned them all. As wow three years right um so i sometimes had learned songs in brazil right and had forgotten about them and something jogs my memory of that song it, you know a bit of it plays in a commercial or like uh someone's like oh it's like that lionel richie song you know or whatever um and then i just start singing it and the words that are coming out of my mouth i'm f understanding for the first time ever because i now speak english and didn't before huh whereas i had just memorized the sounds it's almost like this out of body experience like someone is taking over my mouth and injecting words into it and meaning into it so fascinating right, right? um it's crazy anyway seventh grade i have my little lunch thing and it cut to a wide shot of me like alone and ev everyone is i'm thinking like a, like a director um you know, everyone is in the little clicks and I'm like, which one is mine? I don't, I don't know. So I just sit at the like closest table and I look around it and it's all of these like kind of like buff dudes and they're all wearing Abercrombie and Fitch and like they're all like these, they're all in the football team. They're all JV, whatever, you know? And I'm like, what's JV mean? I don't understand. And the, you know, lively, lively conversation. I just sit down because it's the closest table and silence, <sighs> utter silence. And they're like, and they say something and I don't understand what they're saying. Mm. 
And then they just point over at a different table. They're like, it's like a movie. It's like a movie. They're like, you go over there. And it was like the kid wearing a Pantera t-shirt, the kid with the glasses as thick as like two Coke bottle Mm -hmm. bottoms. Outcast table. The outcast table, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they're all chuckling, chuckling, chuckling. I'm like, oh, uh, there must be like some sort of seating arrangement, seating system. (laughs) Like, I I don't know what it is. Like, I just happen to like... They, 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 like my last name begins with a P. So therefore that's a P table. Uh, <laughs> and they knew that. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and, and like, oh my God, they, the, the littlest, tiniest things. Like I lived kind of in the outskirts of the city um, because it was cheap. And like that once the kids learned that I one, take the bus and two, there was a, a like a shorter bus. Oh, I took the short bus too. Right. Like there were just not as many kids in my neighborhood. But there, yeah, exactly. there was that association with the short bus, like, and oh yeah, oh you're the R word, you know? Yeah, like, uh, you're 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 stupid, and I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> what's it's a, it's cool to be taking a yellow bus? Like, I'm finally I'm, I'm doing this. I thought it was so cool, but like they ruined a lot of cool things for me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and and then yeah, like it's a it's surprising how much your parents shield from you. You know, like yes, when when you're a kid, like I, I didn't realize until recently talking to my mom that the building that we were living in, like the person downstairs died from a fentanyl overdose, you wow. know, or or something like that. You know, it, that was very early for that, but um, you know, like uh, and it was just like you know the people out there weren't trading lunch bags. In, in little brown bags yeah so, it was it was something else um and and yeah i i because i asked recently like why did we move so much and my mom was like as soon as we could get you out of one like kind of dangerous bad situation and then move you up into something better you and your daughter and your sister and and your brother we did mm-hmm. that's why we moved so much um which i'm really glad for but then also that meant that I didn't get to really make it a lot of friends. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, didn't realize it was going to be a therapy session. My gosh. Bro, I love it. I love it. <laughs> the, you know, you know me, I'm always, even, even before therapy, I was into these deep conversations. Just is kind of, I've learned to That's accept true. that about myself. It's just who I am. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so you are moving. I think it's because you're open about your own life. You know, like you're, you're you're quick to open up um yeah when you first meet someone and then that gives that person i remember the, the you know we had met for the first time ever and you were like by the way i'm chris and here's something deep and personal about me God. i'm like oh okay let's then talk about deep and personal stuff forever. So that's adjusted a little bit. Um, So Mm -hmm. in therapy, uh, we learned that my core belief was that I am worthless. Um, And I had that affirmed many in many different ways. And so what you witnessed was my attempt to audition for your good favor by sharing something so that you would like me. I'm still open, but I'm a little bit more cautious about who i do that with now because i am worthy i I still struggle to say that um but i don't i don't immediately share but i am my default is vulnerable 
It's just, it's just who I am. Um, and it makes a lot of people uncomfortable and those people are not my friends. It's, I, you know, mm. before it'd be like, okay, well I have to change who I am so that that person's going to like me. And then, yeah, yeah. and then it just creates this like really ugly spiral that I am no longer participating in, thankfully, but <laughs> you stayed around. So I'm really proud of you. You stuck, you stuck with it. <laughs> so, okay. It, so it's interesting that, you know, how we see ourselves versus how others sees us and like mm-hmm. the how our traumas can can sometimes have like these positive benefits, you know, like people, people are like who are never late to things sometimes that sometimes it's because of a trauma, mm-hmm. you know, uh, oh, that person's so punctual. Uh, yeah, okay, the person needs to go to therapy, uh, right. you know, or yeah. because that person has crippling anxiety about being late or, or yeah. something, you know, like, that kind of thing. Like, it's, yeah, it's, and the way that I saw it was like, oh, this guy is so open and this guy is so cool. And like, I strive to be like Chris, except for Kyo 6 at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I knew your name. Um, I strive to be like Chris. Um, and yet here you were dealing with those those th- those repercussions, those waves mm-hmm. um, up until now, right? Like you're still struggling to say I'm worthy. I'm, mm-hmm. I was struggling to say the same thing. I'm like, I want to be as worthy as Chris one day. Yeah, it, it, I, that's why it's so important to share, I think, so that we'll, some of the stuff that I share is not necessarily things that I struggle with as much as I let on, but it opens the door for other people to be like, oh, someone else is feeling this. Now I feel safe mm-hmm. sharing mm-hmm. what I go through and I catch a lot of flack for it. It's just part of the business, um, especially mm-hmm. with content creation. But like, man, uh, if it can help someone not feel as alone as I did, um, that I'm willing to I'm willing to go through whatever because I know what it feels like to feel so just lost and yeah. unappreciated and a lot of the sharing comes from no one listening to me ever. So it's like mm. when I get an opportunity I just want to I want someone to actually hear me. And I think um mm. I think especially as men um um a lot of our issues are kind of put on the back burner and you know our significant others, our children, all of those problems are put in front of ours. That's at mm-hmm. least been my experience where it's just like, okay, but you need to be there for them. But at some mm-hmm. point, at some point, I also need help. So that's, yeah. that's, I think that's the experience that a lot of, a lot of people have. And I know for sure yeah. that, that I had. You are moving around a lot. You don't have, you're not making f- friends in a lot of places. One, cause cultural differences moving. Yeah was music because you know your channel mystery guitar man was based a lot around music was that a saving grace for you was that something that like helped you or what what brought you to the love of music that you had right um not really Hmm. no um you know um my one of the the only places that I could really understand everybody and connect with everybody was at church, right? We we went to Brazilian churches. Um, and then eventually my dad and my mom, you know, like part of the reason why they came was to start a church um, here in the United States. So we started a little tiny, tiny church, uh, you know, just like five people in a living room at first, you know, and then it eventually grew and grew. And eventually we got a little space and, um, you know, my dad was the pastor. Um, they did a lot of help with like, um, 
helping people who had just uh, gone to jail for something, uh, either with translation, uh, you know, a lot of chaplain work and, and things like that. Um, and and turned out to be one of the ways that the guy was like, oh, wait, you're a chaplain. We can, we can use that. And we can, I can have you file for uh, a citizenship that way and then mess it up. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, it was, it was good because uh, one, I got to meet other Brazilians who might not have been going, going to my grade or whatever, maybe right. Um, neighboring towns and stuff like that. Uh, and then two, uh, we, somebody needed to play the instruments, right. At the church. So I, I started with the, uh, with the drums and then eventually the guy who played guitar was like, I'm, I'm ready to go back to Brazil. You know, I, uh, I miss my family there. Um, you know, I've been working a whole lot, so I'm going to teach you how to play guitar so that you can just do that. So he started teaching me how to play guitar. And then my parents were really helpful and, and bought me like these VHS tapes. God, I'm dating myself. Uh, <laughs> You're old, man. Like, hey, how's it going? Let's, let's learn how to play guitar. Uh, I don't know why I'm doing like a surfer voice. Uh, why not? I just kind of remember the guy being kind of like this, like, okay, so so here's like the major pentatonic scale uh, or whatever. And and yeah, I loved those uh, and got really like hyper-focused on that because of my undiagnosed ADD. Um, you did get you know, diagnosed like, ADD? It, it, it was undiagnosed at the time, oh. <laughs> essentially very eventually um I, it ended up getting diagnosed but you know like um I, i'd have these obsessions uh, one of which ended up being youtube one of which ended up being you know those kinds of things in editing uh but at the time that that was the obsession was was that um at school like oh i want to play every instrument ever at school what's what's the cheapest instrument oh there's like a free flute here um uh so you can start playing the flute so i started playing the flute um and then the kids started making fun of me because this is the guy playing a flute what, what's that so i'm like oh what else is free and he's like well we have a tuba here i'm like good that's the opposite of a flute they can't make fun of me for that right no they, they make fun of me. oh for my god of course tuba come on that's still yeah. they'll still <laughs> make i love tuba but i understand people aren't it's not the sexiest instrument for a lot of people it isn't it isn't no uh so i started playing that but it was good because it you know like Part of it was me trying to connect with people and trying to like not be made fun of. But a, a lot of it was stuff that I like stumbled on that I ended up loving. Like I loved music. I loved the, the, the I, I loved playing guitar. I, I loved the fact that there, there were different woodwinds that I was picking up. Like brass is so different than flutes, you know? Um, and, and then, um, okay, we're so it's a small school. Therefore it's a marching band. What are you going to play? I started playing some marching instruments, marching band-esque instruments until I convinced the uh, the the music director to let me play electric guitar for the marching band. That was a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> is, that no is that normally a marching instrument? You know, not usually carrying a little amp around with you. Did as you have like marching. a little roller <laughs> that went with I had you? A, <laughs> I had a little clip-on Marshall amp that oh. I would clip onto my... Uh, uh, my marching band instrument, um, like outfit situation thing. Cute. Um, there, there's got to be pictures still. I have to see these pictures. I I will never send those <laughs> Come anywhere. Come on, man. Uh, it's me. Except for you. It's for you. For you, yes. You can only share them wide once. 
Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> Valid. So, but yeah, it was, um, it was, it was fun, um, you know, picking up these little things and learning these little like micro hobbies that I would have for, for a little bit and then we can sort of, sort of move on. Um, okay. So let's get into the YouTube obsession. I'm always curious <laughs> about like, so my first, when I started on YouTube, I made my account February of 2006. I didn't upload mm -hmm. anything until September because I thought YouTube was a place to privately store videos like photo bucket so yeah. that I could then use the embed link and post it on like MySpace at the time. Mm -hmm. um, talk about when you first discovered YouTube and what it was and did you have any idea of what you wanted to do with it? A little bit of what you're saying, right? Like I, I had no clue. Yeah, uh, it, it was. When it was did you make your public. account? 2006. Yeah. You know, I had made an account very, very early 2006 that I don't remember the name of it. it that was just like numbers and letters and mm -hmm. whatever. Right. And at the time, there were all of these like um, characters on, on YouTube, like Little Loca oh and Renetto and like all of these people who like had a little something that they would do right like oh yeah. i'm the person who like you don't know if it's real you don't know if it's fake um and then there were also the vloggers the people who had the the really crappy like 240p webcams that might as well have been a, a potato sensor everyone like, had that same high-pitched fan whirl from the imac computer from their eyesight yeah. camera mm -hmm, <laughs> at that point mm -hmm. in time because we didn't have equipment for it and Google hadn't bought it yet, so you weren't doing it for money. You just did it because mm -hmm. it was like you wanted a creative endeavor and maybe some attention. You know, now, I was freaked out when I started getting comments on on my video. I'm like, who who are these? Right. And I started asking the people in my life, like, did did you leave this comment? Like, I sent you a link of, of this thing, right? Mm -hmm. And it was like, a, no, right, no. Like all the, these people in high school, I was like, what is? happening and then uh when i go to college um i i start realizing oh my god there, there must be this could be interesting so i start thinking about like what's what's my character what do i do right and i start looking around my little little room that i was in i was like okay there's a guitar okay uh but it needs to be like a mysterious kind of thing so so like mysterious guitarist oh that was taken all right uh mysterious guitar person oh too long uh mystery guitar man mystery yeah. guitar man is why it ended up like saying okay cool and you were a trendsetter too because you had no numbers in nope, your username zero. everyone of that era myself included had some sort of number or tv at the end of their <laughs> username and you just went straight for solid branding Right, it, it, I think it, the numbers came from the AOL Instant Messenger days. Maybe like we're all still, still yeah. there, you know, because on AOL Instant Messenger, you there were very short usernames that you could get. Yeah, so you'd have to throw a number in or two. Okay, so you you make this account, you don't know what it is, you start uploading, and you have immediate massive success. That's it. Yeah. And then uh, I have all this money and the end. Yeah. Right? Everyone should do it. It's super easy. It's easy. Uh, no. Uh, so <laughs> uh, not really. Right. Like I, I make a video with my friends in like the like just in college. Um, 
it's like me walking around the school singing a, a song from a commercial a snickers commercial um to random people like forcing myself like the hidden camera kind of kind of thing right mm-hmm. um and that's that was it right i post it and it like two thousand people watched it and i'm like two which is a lot actually especially back whole, then oh my god like think about like a stadium full of people right right like a small stadium because it's 2000 it's not like the, the staples center or whatever it's called now uh, you know but it's like just like an auditorium full of people like mm-hmm. my my entire massive high school because of course i had moved by then was was like 800 900 people in my grade right like that's such a good way to look at it too because people compare their numbers to like bigger people it's like well it didn't hit a hundred thousand i was like but if you have two thousand people who watch you that is incredible on its own like you should be proud of that yeah and you know it depends right like if you have two thousand people who watch you because you have a uh, a thumbnail that was interesting that's one thing if you have two thousand people who will not miss your video mm. that's a whole nother thing right mm. two thousand people on your patreon that's a whole different thing two thousand people who like listen to every podcast of yours that's a whole nother ball game right and at the time there wasn't even two thousand people who were fans of anything we were all just creating right the people who were uploading were also the people who were watching were also the people who were making were also the people who were interested in it until Dane Cook mentioned YouTube on an SNL monologue. And we we're all freaking out. We were like, oh my God, he mentioned YouTube. He's like, it's this weird website, YouTube. What what what's the what's the my tube? Get out of my tube. Get out of here. <laughs> anyway, it's crazy. You can like type whatever, like A colon F six, just mash your keyboard, and there's gonna be like some some fat kids singing like A colon F six. Hey, thanks for watching my A colon F six video. <laughs> oh dang cook. Um, um top tier comedy. Right. <laughs> uh, and we were all like we've made it we've made it we got mentioned on snl because nobody a, knew what youtube was at this point like youtube was maybe six months to a year old at the most when all this yeah. was going down so like yeah. there were no youtubers i mean there were but we the word vlog hadn't even been invented yet like really, i remember when it first man. came out i was like what the heck is a vlog it sounds like something i'd throw up like no thank right. you and uh. now it's now it's standard you know it's crazy how stuff develops like that yeah it was it's pretty amazing right how quickly it went from like oh no one no one knows what this is to like mm-hmm yeah everyone knows what this is all of a sudden Mm -hmm. and all of these like little competitor sites um just went away really really fast in fact some big uh, not even creators but what were they called like oh web liberties is is web liberties uh did wait new media personality you remember oh, that? Yes. Oh gosh, that <laughs> was a, that was the web names celeb, that they tried to make for us. Yeah, because people people didn't know what this was it, at the time. It was like twenty thousand views, thirty thousand views per video, and I'm like, now that's like stadium level, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh my god, wait, I can't even picture twenty thousand people. Um, and I I tried to like tell people about it right and i try to be like is this cool like is this not cool and some people are like oh that's really cool you know like twenty thousand people and some people are like 
what what is this lame what are you talking stop telling me about it but and then i get a an email from someone at youtube.com like name at youtube.com they're like <gasps> yes uh and then they are like hey we want to invite you to be on the second round of like yeah uh, creators right that was me too uh, i didn't get the first one but i got the second one yeah there were there were four creators it was venetian princess um Phil DeFranco, like a, a couple, of, and Phil was the only one who was still uh, who's still around nowadays, mm -hmm. right? Like still, uh, that was in that first round of like massively ultra popular YouTubers back in the day, um, which is interesting to think about because you yeah. used to have to apply, and it used to be a big deal to be able to oh, monetize yeah. your videos, and now it's you. I think pretty much anyone can, I believe. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much, right? Um, like, it, yeah, it had to be like, someone had to watch all of the videos on your channel. Like mm -hmm. lawyers had to watch the, all the videos on your channel and be like, okay, this guy doesn't break the rules too much, you know, <laughs> or or, mm -hmm. or something. Um, and and yeah, it, it was very like kind of crafted and, and then it just it started working out, right? That started working out and then it started, like things started happening. Uh, I'm like, I Ford had this thing where mm -hmm. they were like, hey, can you... Um, um, anybody, we're going to give a hundred Ford Fiestas out to anybody. Right. And I, I, uh, talked to a buddy of mine. Uh, he's nobody. Uh, his name is Charlie Puth. Um, yeah, you know? it's crazy <laughs> to watch him be such a massive success. Cause I remember him as the guy who clicked on his own ads and got kicked out of the partner program. Did that happen? I, oh, that's I, I what I heard, that. but I, I don't know it to be true. So no. allegedly, <laughs> uh who knows right uh but for me we, he, he was like pivotal in me moving to la because i'm like hey can you help me out with something like um i i just need like a song that says like these kinds of things right uh that says like hey i would love to have a car because otherwise i won't be able to get a girlfriend um right like some kind of like funny thing mm -hmm. like that like i need to be able to drive around i need to be able to like make cool videos and so he like overnight he made me a song that was awesome super catchy because of course he's a massive superstar now that makes super catchy songs so he was able to make one for me just like that we weren't really friends at that time right we we like met me and you chris um but me and Charlie were kind of like sort of talking like i went on his stick M and his live all the time um and and then yeah i happened to be in los angeles i happened to come to visit um and i was on the east side of la i was kind of like there with um um me uh, Ponce man Pon wait 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 and, and then you were like hey you're a youtuber i'm a youtuber let's go hang out so we went to this restaurant called home oh god that place and was so I good was just, it was so good I, I was just still there let's go there um and very first thing, I, you could tell that I was kind of sad, right? And I kind of just like looked at this little tiny, 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 way too tiny. Now that I know about fish, I've 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 had mm -hmm. the experience with fish because that was one of my micro hobbies. Um, you know, I was like, oh, this this koi pond seems really small for these fishes. Mm -hmm. Remember what you said to me? I, I think I said something along the lines of those fish don't know they're in a small pond. That's just where they're from. Yeah. Kind of like you in Boston. Mm -hmm.
I was like, I, I need to move. Yeah. I need to move immediately. I need to move. And you drove from Massachusetts to Los Angeles to live, right? Yeah. It, well, I didn't know if I was going to live there, right? Like, so I um, started in Massachusetts uh, and I just started driving, right? I told my parents, like, hey, I might come back. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> I may not. Um, uh, they're like, all right, well, have fun. You didn't oh know that you were moving? I didn't know, right? I was like, I, I, I need to like figure stuff out. So I need to like drive throughout the entirety of the United States. So, um, oh, you were shopping. I, I was shopping. Yeah, I was yeah. window shopping, right? Uh, so I literally would just at this point I had kind of a following. Twitter was kind of starting to blow up too. So I would just tweet out like, "Hey, I'm in Rochester. Does anyone here have a couch I can borrow?" um don't recommend doing that don't, yeah that like, could don't, be don't think that that's a good idea a lot of us have done it though yeah. <laughs> it's normal yeah but you know it was it was great because then i one got to meet a lot of the fans and and got to see the ask a very curious you know like why just start watching my videos why, why do you care about my videos or why do you like those or which videos do you like more than the others right not one answer was the same mm -hmm. uh, and i realized that the my like kind of scattered brainness at the time um and now uh, were were like kind of a boon for me right like oh sometimes you make like these crazy stop motion videos sometimes you make these like really heartfelt music videos and sometimes you make this something that's just kind of kooky and crazy and like um i guess both of those things i said crazy um <laughs> so uh, so it's like kind of that's what's interesting right it's these these kind of um you don't know what you're gonna get with your channel so i specifically started leaning into that right mm -hmm. um and there were little things throughout that kind of helped me with my style so like working with you helped me like kind of hone in on my on my musical style right like working with um uh, like i was interviewed with toby turner at a, a certain point and he's just like he's on a different level with the level of energy that he has obscene <laughs> amount of energy yeah he was always yeah. high energy well, there was a lot of strategery back then a lot of strategery right <laughs> like a lot of different things about like where exactly a lot of experimentation too right not only well there was no one to teach us that. we were the first yeah, yeah. so and we then, had to create the structure yeah. that people still i still see a lot of the same techniques used to this day and it's almost like a proud dad moment it's like oh i was there when this started i was a part of that yeah and youtube would release a new thing and we'd be like okay i'm gonna break it um, uh, that was my exploited my more like <laughs> yeah and then the company started coming to us and they started saying we will pay you money for you to put our stuff in your videos and we said money what we get to what? make money doing this okay yes please right and and yeah that was that was where it became feasible to have a job mm -hmm. doing youtube uh, and it, because and before that, it was just like, oh, cool, it pays for my cell phone bill. That's when it was like, oh, okay, now we might get thousands of dollars a month doing this. But like for a while, you made no money. You were making very little money. When you got to LA, you didn't have much at all. Because I remember 
When you decided you were moving to LA, I moved you into the same apartment building that I lived in and you got the cheapest place you could. I think it was like 800 bucks a month or something like that. And you could barely afford that at the time. So people don't recognize like in those early days, it it wasn't a lot of money at all, especially even with no competition because no one really took YouTube seriously. Yeah. But then you started to, you, I think that's, during that time when you first got there, I remember being in your apartment and you were like, I'm going to start making two YouTube videos a, a week. And I was like, you're a crazy person. And then from yeah. that moment, you just exploded. And like, I remember, yeah. I, I remember you working with Ray William Johnson on like his setup and like that yeah. brought a lot of success to you. That was huge. And then I remember coming to your apartment, knocking on the door and you didn't answer, Sarah answered. Oh, and, hello. And I was like, you hadn't told me anything <laughs> about her. Like, I was not expecting another human in your apartment. And Sarah- I wasn't t- expecting it either. <laughs> yeah. And now look at you. <laughs> right? So, uh, yeah. So Sarah was working for Phil at the time as- yeah, she was. Or yeah, uh, now uh, she she was kind of managing his channel, right? Um, getting like we were all getting all of these like um, offers, all the him especially, right? Because he made a video every day basically mm-hmm. back then. Like I remember, went to uh, Phil's um, Halloween party, and he lived in a fancy apartment. You know, had the little rooftop or whatever. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, in Venice Beach, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, holy moly! He, yeah. he was definitely doing the best out of everybody, right? Yeah. Um, and so he threw a party, and everyone dressed up as everyone else, which was hilarious. Right? Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> clip critics dressed up as Man, uh, Philip DeFranco. Uh, all of the people who aren't on YouTube, who Anymore. haven't been on YouTube since 2006, yeah, you know? <laughs> uh, or 2000, or two, at this point, 2008, 2009, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 2009 is when I came. Um, so all the people who who, who were big at the time um, were were there, right? Like, and they were trying to start this possible thing called the station where all the biggest YouTubers were going to get together. That's how a lot of them came to LA. Like, oh, yeah. That's how, like, like Shane and Shay and, like, I, I, was Phil on the station or did he just get he offered? He was, yeah. He was. I, it, think, I, I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was, yeah. I might be wrong about that. A ton of people all of a sudden just came to LA and it was like, it was cool for me because I had been in LA since 2003. So all of a sudden, all my YouTube friends were moving to Los Angeles. I was like, perfect. Okay, (laughs) now we can all, then it became the hub, the epicenter of like the top creators were all in Los Angeles at that time. And I had met her at his like party. I I was like, hello, you are um, cute i enjoy looking at your face yeah so a little bit of a me cute but like I, I didn't really know if it was like a, a romantic thing i'm a, you know when when both of us were like yeah hey, we should definitely like go like get the lunch or, or dinner or like you know more more facetime breakfast actually breakfast was was the one right like yep uh, you, you remember why i remember that your first date was listen, breakfast okay I have apologized. Look, I'm going to tell times. this story and then go, you can fill in the blanks. So mm-hmm. when the Fiesta movement ended, 
they gave me a rental car because I was actually buying the Fiesta that I would have for like 10 years after that. And Joe didn't have a car. And so Joe wanted to take Sarah on their first date. I had been, I, I was working in clubs at the time. So like I was up until like four in the morning and I, you came to my apartment. He's like, can I borrow the car? I like this girl. We're going to go to breakfast. I was like, yeah, sure. And then what happened, Joe? What happened on the date? Okay, listen. What uh, happened, Joe? The, <laughs> the date aside, as I was pulling out mm -hmm. uh, of, of the parking spot is, is what I mean. Yes. Um, you know, first date, come on. Um, <laughs> I, I slightly might have nicked like a different, like a, the, like a pickup truck that was there. It was a dent. It was a sizable one because the guy mm -hmm. at the rental place screamed at me when he saw it. I was like, I, look, we have insurance for this. I don't know what you want from me. And then say when, I, when I came back, I was like, hey, um, uh, I just got back from my date. Is, and you were like, "What's this voice? What what is this voice?" You I'm seem like, very uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm uh, I, I I I dented your car. I did that. Yeah, and that's what I have done. I will do what is necessary to make this right. You were like, "You better marry this girl." Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! <laughs> he did, but then Sarah ended up not working with Phil anymore and started to manage you. You know, there was one deal that I. I had finally gotten my chance, right? I had convinced this these people to let me shoot a commercial, right? Rhett and Link at the time uh, were like, hey, um, we think that you might be cool to do the, like a stop motion video for us using t-shirts for like a t-shirt printing company. Uh, and I'm like, oh my God, cool, um, definitely. Uh, and then from that, Coke and McDonald's saw that commercial uh, and we're just gonna steal the idea. Uh, until somebody in the room was like, I'm a huge fan of these people, all these people in here. And like, there will be massive outcry on the internet if you just steal. Why don't you just hire them? What a fortunate like, person to have in that room. Because yeah, it's not like right? if they had stolen it, there'd be an outcry, but they're McDonald's and Coke. Like, they're not going to... Like, they got bigger right? lawyers than you do and deeper pockets, you know? Right. Like, it's it's kind of... Kind of interesting hmm. to go down that path um and i'm like okay um okay uh cool um but then as i'm prepping for my first commercial ever i'm like oh my gosh i get to be a director of a national tv commercial and it's gonna play like uh, right before the uh the um what's the big football game with the the big one the world series of poker the World Series of, of Super Bowl. Super right? Bowl, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I was like, what's this Superb Owl? That Superb they Owl. That's my favorite. Or Super Bowl, um, which Super is Bowl. A, a after Taco Bell situation. Right. In Brazil, we play football with our feet. And it's evolved. <laughs> which so, makes sense. Yeah. Blame the English. They're the reason we call it soccer. Okay. Uh, association football. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, so, um, you know, you... Like, I, I cannot deal with anyone wanting me to make a deal right now but then sony said said to me like hey we want you to make 11 videos for us i'm like oh my god that would be amazing right um so i, I said i see to say i'm like hey i know that we're not supposed to be working together right because we're dating and like i know that you but you're starting this company like i, I know that we said we weren't going to work together but please 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 just this one deal like i, I don't have time She's like, okay, cool, cool. I'm like, cool, all right. Um, and you didn't have time either because you were like in, in somewhere, right? I, I forget exactly where you were traveling to, but like 
I was like, Sarah, go, go ahead and uh, uh, take this one, just this one deal, please. You know, she's like, how much do you need? And I'm like, 11 videos, like, um, like $2,000, right? For 11 videos. But you, right? there was no like way of knowing what your worth was at that point mm-hmm. in time because you were, we were the first people to get paid for this. So we had to set yeah. that precedent and we really lowballed ourselves at that point in time. Right? <laughs> She's like 2000. No, I'll, I'll try to get you five. Uh, I'm like, for okay, 11 cool. videos. And how many right? subscribers did you have at this time? Oh, I, I, I don't know. Like it was, it was climbing like crazy hundreds of thousands at right. this time, you know, like, uh, I, I think I was one of the first ones to reach a million. Yes. Right? Um, so, so I must've been close. Cause I remember there, there was like a whole huge like campaign, uh, for, for reaching that. Um, um, so anyway, like I, I was like, Oh, okay, let's, she's like going to try to get me five. That would be amazing. Um, I'm in the middle of shooting the, the commercial and she calls me, right? Um, not in the middle of it. She calls me after she was <laughs> kind. Uh, and she goes, I got you, I got you 10,000 for 11 videos. And I'm like, hello. So she's like, yeah. Uh, so they're going to pay you, you know, 50% up front, 50% after I'm like, Oh, what? They usually just send me the whole thing. She's like, yeah, but like $110,000 check is not going to be like a, like an easy thing to just send you without like you making something for them. And I'm like, a hundred and ten thousand, especially. No, no sorry, they're gonna send me a hundred ten thousand dollar checks. What did you say? Like, is that a joke? She's like, uh, no, the math would be. I'm like, what? What did, what, what did you say? She got you ten k per like, per video. Whoa, like, bro, that's huge. She, she, what she year was like? Was you this? meant two thousand total? Is what you said? She, I was like, yeah. Wait, you can get a hundred ten thousand dollars for a video. She goes, oh my God, tell me all of your deals. And then I remember she sat us both down together. She's like, boys, stop doing your own deals, right? Chris, mm-hmm. you stop. Yep. Joe, you stop. She brought like, me you, on. I was like, please yeah. help me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you, you you, will not do your own deals. One, it's really hard to do your own deals because you, you can't be like, hey, I love this and I will be so creative. And this is the thing that I love to do the most as an artist. Like, that's what you need to say to sell them. But then you need the bad cop to be there. It's like, yeah, but he's going to need money, like lots of money. As kind and wonderful as Sarah is, she's very good at being the bad cop. And that's why she was such a fantastic manager. She's amazing. Yeah. 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 So like it was it was definitely like uh, I was like, Sarah, I know we said we wouldn't date and work together. But if we need to stop dating for you to keep working on my deals, then we shall. You know, like who I'd made this you... rule? The not dating rule. Did you make right? that? Did she make that? Who? There was no rules. No, they were, they, 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 that's just like the rule of the world, right? Like, no, don't, it's not. Don't... Not no. It it literally isn't. <laughs> Let me be your manager is pretty common. But she was right. actually being a manager. But also there was right, some fringe right. benefits. I'm assuming. You know. You know. Sometimes. <laughs> um, so yeah, like uh, we were like, forget the rules, right? Who mm-hmm. cares about rules like this? Let, let's let's start doing that. Uh, so then, you know, she started working on those deals. I started like being invited to go on CNN. Uh, and I was working like so, so hard. I was like working like maybe 60, 70, 80 hours. Well, you remember. Wait, right? that CNN interview triggers oh, a very, I think I remember watching it and he, hearing the interviewer 
be like, I wish I could just chill in my underwear or pajamas and make videos. Oh, which gosh. and it just made he me just wasn't prepped. I like the guy. Like it made that. me so. It was so. It just discounted how hard all of us were working back then for peanuts, just yeah. hours and hours of work with no guarantee of any financial gain from it, just for the yeah. sake of building something dope and to be so mm -hmm. reductive. Oh, and you it's handled like yourself. You sing, kids who sing in the shower and are now making six figures every year, you know, was the whole like premise of it, which I was blindsided into on a live thing. Yes. Right. And he's like, so how much money are you making when, and, and I'm like, I, that was the one question that like, we should, like, I cannot say because of contractually, I cannot right. say because of YouTube. So we had talked to them about it before. Right. He's like, we can't say that. So he's like, oh, you got to tell us how much money you're making. Right. And I'm like, I, 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 I can't like I, I, I can't. But you tell me how much you money you're making. Um, and I won't say the name of the guy, but let's say like Donald Orange. Yeah. Right? One of those fruit. Yes. You know, one of one of the citruses. Um, <laughs> I thought it was I him. I, was, guy, I wasn't going to say his name, but I, pre I was pretty sure I remember it being him. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it, like it, it was just like something where like no one called it at the time, you know, Um and and it was still like you know we we were in in Los Angeles we were in Hollywood literally we'd go to any party or event or anything with with people from the industry and they would say like oh hello hello because that's what people in LA sometimes do like oh so what do you do so what do you do like the first question that comes out mm -hmm. and they'd say and you'd say oh uh, you know I'm, you know I'm making videos for YouTube and they go okay exactly. It's so fun. Podcast, I just walked away from my microphone. <laughs> when by when I first started to like make YouTube videos and I wanted some of my actor friends because I was in LA to be in it, they're like, what's that? And then later on down the road, YouTube grows into this huge thing and they're like, oh, wait. I was like, no, I remember where you were when I, when it wasn't this big thing and you can go ahead and, and also I, I begged felt, for help, you know, and like they did nothing. And so like, yeah, yeah. We, but we just saw, we saw the potential and, and a lot of people didn't. So that's why we, yeah. we get to be where we are now, which is wonderful. Right. And the customization is where we can get to the next part of the story because there was a call from YouTube and they said, Hey, we're working on this thing internally. We're calling, we always have like cute little names for um, the website redesigns. We're going to call it cosmic Panda. Um, and it's like, you get to see, you know, it's no longer going to be like this featured homepage, or if you signed in, like all the people you subscribe to in order of last uploaded, it's going to be like videos that people really want to see in addition to that. And I'm like, what, what do you know? It's like, well, it's going to be like personalized. If you watch a lot of how-to videos, it's going to be more how-to videos, a lot of carpentry videos, right? If you watch a lot of, and I'm like, oh, okay, um, that sounds cool. And then I started thinking like, wait, what are my videos? Like people just watch my videos because they're kind of like all over the place, right? Mm -hmm. Am I going to be okay? They're like, oh no, you have like a huge, massive audience. You'll be fine. I'm like, okay. They're like, can you help us promote this at the next FitCon? And I'm like, what do you want me to say? They're like, okay. So like, we'll explain to you how it works. And then you just like do, do that, right? And not only that, but also we're going to start, there's this brand new website called Patreon, uh, there's another like thing called subable that's about to come out, uh, but YouTube is going to have their own thing. Um, and, uh, we're, you know what we're going to do? We're going to let people click on a little button 
and subscribe to your channel and like pay monthly, right? Right from YouTube. Uh, so they came up with this whole thing where like up at the main stage at VidCon, they were going to do that. And then someone from YouTube was going to hand me a $5 bill, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, which was kind of funny. Um, and uh, yeah, so we did that, right? Uh, I didn't realize that it was like a, an FU to to patreon that what youtube was doing at the time the people who are no longer youtube who were working there uh was they set them at the front row all the people of patreon of patreon wow and, and, the, yeah. and the thing is is the guy who st- started patreon is a youtuber or was a youtuber jack Conti. yeah he yeah, had yeah. that he was pomplamoose right jack yeah pomplamoose yeah was his uh, is his youtube channel still yeah. you know him and natalie um wonderful amazing like inspiring guy and but he became competition uh, it, it was competition, right? Yeah. And, uh, I can't imagine how he felt at that moment. You know, because I didn't, I didn't know that that's what that was being used as the pawn a little bit. You know, no. and literally um, at VidCon, they swip, flip the switch. The website looks totally different at that point. And thankfully, we were at VidCon because I went up to one of the engineers and I'm like, "Hey, um, I saw that like usually by now." You know, I would have like this amount of views. I have like twenty percent of those views. Um, what's going on? And they're like, oh, it's like a it's the website redesign. And I'm like, so like there's something wrong. They're like, we're gonna look into it for sure. For sure. And they kept looking into it for a long time, and uh, nope, that's what it was. Um, my videos weren't long enough to for the algorithm, the the, the all knowing algorithm to care. Was that the ten, the ten minute one second uh, video time? That's it. Yeah, right. Like you had to upload ten why, minutes. Yeah, like all the vloggers uh, started doing really well. All the people playing Minecraft were doing really well because you can just like because it was about retention. Make those yeah yeah people. You start watching Minecraft video, you're not going to stop, right? Um, whereas with my video, I put in an, an obscene amount of effort into a one minute long 60 second stop motion video and then i have a little vlog that some people watch some people don't you know and i try to make the vlog fun but a lot of people who watch my videos didn't speak english right um so they would just click away um so shoot um yeah uh, about overnight overall my views drop about 60 percent, 70 percent uh down to 80 percent some days mm-hmm. um and immediately I knew, oh my gosh, I have all of my eggs in this YouTube basket and I cannot do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And though I have 3 million subscribers, 500 million views, whatever, you know, like whatever it is, I, I, I'm not going to be able to do this forever. It's like you just kind of watch it slowly die. It's like a but, yeah. slow death and you just like, you panic. After and you a try. stabbing, right? After one big stab yeah. and one big shot or something. And then it's just like going, oh, oh God, oh, please, oh, oh, please give me views. Um, but, you know, it, it made me realize that I needed to figure something else out. So I had been working with enough um, commercial production companies uh, in order to make some real commercials, but mostly for my youtube videos so every time that someone approached us for like a brand i'd have sarah or myself pitch like hey can you do you also want like a 30 second cut down of this 
you know, or a one minute long cut down so that you can put it on TV. One, so that I can get those checks, those residual checks. And two, so that I can become a director of commercials, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, that started working out really, really well. But then I want to get into you writing and directing feature films because like, man, I got to tell you, when I saw when I saw that you were doing that, my immediate thought was, yes, 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 mm. yes. Because I always knew you were, were meant for for something bigger than than the computer screen. I knew you could do big things. Um, so talk about that process. Like your first I remember your first was it your first feature film had that Orlando Jones guy in it. Was that was that the first yeah. one? That was my first short. Yeah. Um, I had met him at um at Comic-Con and he was like one of the only celebrities who was like, I want to do this YouTube thing too. Mm. Um, um, what, what are you working on? I'm like, I'm trying to make a short film. He's like, oh, that's perfect. That's kind of like half half of you, half, half of what I'm doing. And I was working with a company that was like trying to, everyone was trying to figure out how do we do video different than YouTube? So it was this company, it's a cool technique, right? Like you, you type in your phone number at first right um before start starting to watch the short film and then in the middle of the short film it pauses and then your phone rings right uh or it doesn't pause it's just like it's a scary phone call and then your phone is scary and then you pick it up and you see the person like picking up being like hello it's like oh, or something you know, right. like or whatever right like some kind of scary thing um so so yeah you know it was it, I, I made this kind of like thriller-esque kind of thing with Orlando Jones. And because he was somebody who people recognized as having worked on movies, having worked on TV shows, all of a sudden I'm, I'm then getting calls from Hollywood agents mm -hmm. saying, hey, you're a director. Would you like us to represent you? And I never had an agent before any of what agents did. So I was like, go, please. Oh my God, yes. Let's do it. Mm-hmm yeah and then was uh, was arctic the next one that was really hard to get you know like i i first wrote something i first wrote stowaway uh which was uh the the like a spaceship thing we almost got that done but it was just a little too expensive for um for the industry right um or everyone had already a thing that was too similar. You know, we have a Jake Gyllenhaal movie called Life that, you know, we'd love to buy yours, but like, that's too similar. That's just an excuse that they use. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we, we love yours too, but like, we have this better one. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, With bigger <laughs> names. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, okay, well, I guess we just need to figure it out then. Uh, so I wrote a really, really cheap one called On Mars uh, that could just be shot like maybe desert in LA or, or if we have a little bit more money, like in Wadi Rum in Jordan, you know, mm -hmm. because that looks more like Mars. It was like a half terraformed Mars kind of thing. Uh, and I sent it to my newfangled agent and... He goes, oh, cool. Uh, I'm going to send you, instead of notes back, uh, just a link to uh, The Martian, a new trailer for oh. this movie. That's oh, like, no. man. It's so hard to come up with original ideas. 
Oh gosh. Uh, so then I said, whatever, I'm just going to do a find and replace for he, he can't breathe and it's Mars to just like, it's really cold and he's in, in the Arctic. Whoa. I didn't put that together. So, yeah. so essentially you just changed locations and all of a sudden it was original and a doable film. All of a sudden, right? Like that's all, <laughs> all that it was. Uh, and then these people uh, who had done a um, uh, a movie for Sundance were like, we're, we want to do this movie with you. We just need your like you to find like some kind of big actor or something, mm -hmm. right? And we're trying, we're trying, and trying, and YouTube is going down, down, down. I'm just seeing my bank account going, eep, 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 eep. scary. Uh, and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to make this movie, especially not this year. Like the snow is going to start to run out. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and um, apply for a job at Google, you know, working for YouTube. Mm. They really needed some creatives to work in there. Um, so I do. And I go through an entire process, right? And miraculously, they say, yes, uh, like here's our, our final counter offer. And I'm literally about to write the like, thank you very much. I'll take this job at Google uh, email. And I get a call from my producer of this movie the guy who said that you know he'd he would do it if i found a big enough actor that he's like do you know who maz mickelson is i'm like do i know who maz mickelson villain come on you know come on my man um it's like okay um would you like to speak to him i'm like someday sure yeah they're like no about arctic i'm like what why <laughs> why he will never do it it's like, no, like he just did like three massive movies. Um, we know the future and we know that he's about to do four massive more. Um, they didn't know the future. That's, that's just what happened. Yes. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> and and like we think that he is could be really interested in like doing something like the first movie that he worked on. That's just kind of like a rock and roll kind of movie. I'm like, it's not a it's not a rock and roll movie. It's like a, a movie about the Arctic. They're like, no, we, we mean like just, you know, like just grab a camera and shoot the guy you know i'm like okay that that would be really cool that'd be awesome yeah all right and um, your youtuber nature is like we made things work with very little for a long time so if they're like you know just just run and gun well that's what you're used work. to doing for a lot of your right. youtube time they're like we, with mads because it's like okay you get keanu reeves and you get like 30 days and 10 million dollars you know you get like this other actor that your grandma knows you get tom cruise you get 100 million dollars you know like and and you won't get to direct it sorry uh you know so like there there needed to be this perfect little target of an actor who was big enough uh respected enough and like you know had won awards and like could do these like weird pre-sales throughout all of Europe because that's how you fund films, right? You go to a to a, like a TV channel in Estonia or something. And you say, "Hey, I have a Mads Mikkelsen movie. Do you want to buy it now for X amount, or do you want to buy it later for 10x after we finish mm, it?" It's like, like the stock eh. market, it is, yeah. So they they take a risk on it, and then you have enough money to make your movie, right? Um, so they're like, Mads is huge in Europe. Um, so my gosh, like we will definitely be able to, um, work with him if you can convince him and he's really tough to convince. Is he? Oh boy. Okay. 
So I watch every single one of his movies, right? They're like, you need to speak to him tomorrow. I stayed up all night, like watching all of his movies on 1.5 X. Right. Um, and like doing everything that I could, all the prep, watching all the interviews online. And I'm like, so worried because my internet has been kind of like crappy at home. So I go to the YouTube space and I'm there. Right. And I'm just like ready. And, and the guy's late, like five minutes, 10 minutes. I'm like, Oh no, the call is just meant to be like 15 minutes long. And he's late 10 minutes. I'm only going to have five minutes to convince him to do a movie. And then uh, if I had Skype open and then just all of a sudden it goes, boom, boom, whoop, whoop, yeah. dum, 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 whoop, love that sound. Dum, dum, dum. And I'm like, Oh God. Oh God. Okay, so then there he is, Mr. Mickelson, right? Like just smoking a cigarette because of course he is. <laughs> and like ready to talk to me about the movie. He's like, all right, cool. Tell me about your movie. And I start doing it. And then, you know, the five minutes goes through. I don't say anything because I'm like, I was told 15. Uh, and he's like, mm, I, need, I need you to convince me more. And I just keep going through the whole movie, right? Mm -hmm. um, I start getting calls from my producers. So I know that I'm like, you, you got to go, my man. He's like, no, 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 keep, keep going, keep going. And he's more and more and more interested in it, right? And three hours goes by where wow. I'm show, like sharing my screen with him and like showing him different like things. And he's like, okay, well, why this scene here? Why not there? And I'm like, well, because there, the, it would mean this one thing over here. It means this one thing. He's like, okay, so then I got to play that a little bit more like this. And he's taking notes. He's cast himself already in the middle right? of the call. And you have to be freaking out inside a little bit. Oh my God. Because if he says, no, I don't make this movie. I don't get to be a film director probably ever. Right? Like if he says yes, and like it needs to be now, basically, because it, it, the snow is melting in Iceland. If he doesn't say yes on this call, which is unheard of, I can't. I can't do it. I have to like. And then I'm getting calls from Google being like, "Yeah, you're supposed to say yes for a job." And I'm like, "Wait a second, please." <laughs> uh, and then at the end, I'm like, "He goes, wow." I'm like, you, you, you want to make, you want to make this movie? Or do you not want to make this movie? Like, yeah, please Can you say yes, please. He's like, I'm going to start growing my beard. I'm like, yes. I'm like, so you'll do it. He's like, well, I'm going to start growing my beard. Let's have our people talk. And I'm like, people take a long time. Um, I'm like, tell your people to talk really fast because like, I need to know by tomorrow. And then the did you say that to day, him? Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. All right. Like, um, I don't know if it helped because he just kind of laughed. He might've thought it was a joke. Uh, but <laughs> by the, by the next day, um, I heard from my people, like, can you fly to Iceland tomorrow? I'm like, I'm in the middle of moving houses and, and also in the middle of this, can you give me the weekend? I can't just like leave my wife, you know, for God knows how long. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. Um, the very next day, that's what happened. I, I flew. <laughs> um okay so arctic happened i mm. i went to the theaters and watched it i oh. saw it on airplanes and i was just like that's my boy and <laughs> then stowaway starts to be a thing again because you gave yeah. me the script i still have it in my closet for stowaway in like 2015 okay i had it's you probably very different i had you sign it I'll talk about the process of like resurrecting i didn't realize that you had tried to do stowaway previous to arctic so talk yeah. about the resurrection of the project stowaway 
it was it was pretty amazing that like we got into the Cannes Film Festival, right? Like with my very first movie, that's that's like just not a thing. With that Arctic happens. was Cannes, or was that Stowaway? But with Arctic, yeah, Arctic, yeah, yeah. Arctic. So the Cannes Film Festival is like probably the number one like most respected film festival in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are people whose entire careers have been trying to get into the, the Cannes Film Festival and making more and more canny movies and there you are with your you know? first movie just like yep we're going to I'm like oh no, no big deal yeah and, and also it's like they have a bunch of little miniature like side festivals like they have one called and they have like another one that's like just for first time directors just for this just for that and i got into like official selection like like really like the the one that like the 20 movies get into right mm-hmm. or whatever like worldwide uh, and there's Venice and there's all these other ones. And, and, but like, that's the one that people are trying to get it. So like, it was amazing, amazing to do that. Um, so the fact that, that we got that and was, was like, all right, carte blanche, do whatever we want next. Right. What else you got? Basically it's, that's Hollywood, right? Like mm-hmm. once one thing is working now, all of a sudden my agent's working for me. Uh, and didn't help at all before right mm-hmm. um, well you do have to prove yourself to a point agent. you know like yeah yeah for sure for a certain for a certain reality for sure yeah um but you know like now it's all working and um you know they were like okay who did you write these for and i'm like um okay well uh the the main actress here needs to be someone who is is like a both amazing at like uh, pulling levity out of a, a dark moment, and then also like having like uh, those like really heartfelt conversations. So I kind of had like Anna Kendrick in mind, someone like that. Uh, like, okay, cool. Uh, what about like uh, the commander of the ship? And I'm like, I think it's someone who like has the all these pauses uh, in their speech. You know, someone who like really you can see the cogs turning in their heads, you know, mm-hmm. like they're mostly silent and they're like, Oh, it's a, it's a woman. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I wrote it with her in mind, but I wrote it like to just like whatever gender, you know, I'd rather it be a woman uh, because I haven't seen that much in, in, in movies. So, uh, you know, someone like Tony Collette, like, okay, cool. We're going to go to both of those Academy award nominated actresses. And you're, and all of a sudden it's like, Hey, um, as soon as you're back, uh, from France, can you meet with Anna Kendrick? I'm like, what is this world? What is? I wanted I mean, to meet with oh Anna Kendrick, gosh. but for very different yeah. reasons, you know. And you know what's interesting is, oh, I see. Uh, yeah, there <laughs> we go. <laughs> there. Um, you just kind of one, you know, just kind of is like kind of a, a, amazing that like when you first meet any actor, like these are massive like well-known people i was like really nervous to meet them and then they were really nervous to meet me i'm like why are you nervous to meet me eventually you know like anna and i are good friends now uh, and i i asked her like, why were you nervous to meet me she was like do you know how often it is that like a great script comes along i'm like i haven't like been just sent a great script she's like me neither not very often like with depth i think that's with probably depth, that's yeah. it's a chance for them to actually stretch their capabilities as actors and that's it and a lot of yeah. the stuff in, dis- in the industry that i see now is kind of like let's not be 
experimental. Let's just do what works. Keep it pretty yeah. like sterile. And so they yeah. kind of get tired of playing the same thing. So this was probably a great opportunity for them to do something different and deeper. And you gave mm -hmm. them that opportunity. Yeah. You know, and it was definitely something where she was like, I didn't want to lose it. I didn't want you to be crazy. I didn't want you to like, uh, like uh, think to be this eccentric director that was like, oh, she she used the word purple instead of the word violet, and now I can't work with her. You know, because they've they've been that happens sometimes. And like people can't be like that, that like weird about their art, can they? She goes, you'll see, uh, and I have seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah like people can be quite, quite weird one thing that, i but... will say about you is your entire journey you have never been guided by ego that and that's such a rare thing especially when you are working mm -hmm. like you're to the point where you're working you're at the can film festival you're working with academy nominated like actors and stuff like that and you never at any point let it blow your head up to the point where like we if that had happened we wouldn't be having this conversation you've mm. maintained who you were the entire time and i'm so proud of you man because it could have gone so many other ways you've seen it go other ways and you stuck to yeah. exactly who you were the whole time thank you thank you you know i, I am the most humble person i know <laughs> you had to ruin the moment i did i did i, did. I said thank you first then. <laughs> so what's next bro what are you working on? Where are you going? What's the passion? Are you just chilling? Oh, I wish I could just chill. Yeah. Um, you, you can't really, right? Like, um, I have a lot of different irons in, in a lot of different fires, um, series like TV series and, and movies and things like that. Um, and, um, what can I say? I, I have a, a world war two movie that uh, is with paramount um that would be like really really cool to do i would love to do that um this is stuff you're I, writing or no a lot of these were sent to me um mm. I'm, I'm working on one uh like a, a creature feature uh which is very very different than the one i've done before uh that could be interesting to do uh but i'm i, I would love to write uh a series for netflix called first in flight about the eccentric people at the turn of the century who, and I'm saying this out loud for the first time ever so that I force myself to do it. Okay. At the turn of the century who uh, were trying to invent airplanes. Like growing up, I thought for a fact that the inventor of the airplane was named Santos Dumont, who was a French Brazilian guy who was the first person in 1906 to fly around for like two and a half minutes around the Eiffel Tower. Mm. And then I heard about this, these Wright brothers that yeah. you guys keep talking about. Like, Damn who are Americans. These <laughs> right? Like, and to this day, it's like the the people people in New Zealand think that their guy invented it. People in Italy are like, what do you mean? Da Vinci like had the plans out like the, the way before. He's the one who invented it. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I just think it'd be interesting to like, globally see what those perspectives are okay one more question yeah you you know you've been in the content game for at least 15 years of varying types mm -hmm. you could go back to 2006 you and give one bit of advice what is the advice that you give baby baby joe making content oh 
baby joe making content um dear baby joe making content um <laughs> sorry wrong call uh, wrong, wrong number um because otherwise there's a the butterfly effect thing that happens that's true you know? uh no but in, in reality if 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 i'm going with the spirit of the question um that's a tough one right because like it's so easy to say, like, I wouldn't change a thing, but of course I would. I'd change so much. Talk to a psychiatrist <laughs> about something called attention deficit disorder. <laughs> okay. It's okay. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. You'll, you'll figure it out. You'll Do you to... think with, with, so you, ha have you been diagnosed with, with ADHD? Yeah. During the pandemic there, there was like this, because I, I said to my, Psychiatrist, like my dad got diagnosed, and then my brother got diagnosed, and I'm like, well, well, maybe, maybe I gotta like look up the the things about it, right? And and then it's like, okay, yeah, maybe I gotta go take a test. And I told my psychiatrist, like, test, give me every test before you 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 are like, sorry, what was that? What's that shiny thing over there? She's like, I, you've already failed the test, but okay, I'll <laughs> give you the tests. And yeah, it was like this battery of tests. And she was like, you've, yeah, like pretty much every single one. Yeah. Like it is an overprescribed thing, you know, Adderall and like Vyvanse and those things that are overprescribed in the US, but like, not for you, my friend, please take some. Please take some. Uh, <laughs> and you've, and it's been successful for you, helpful for you? It's been really, really, really helpful. Do you yeah. think you'll be as successful as you have been if you had been diagnosed early and taken that stuff? I wonder, right? Yeah, like, I, I it's interesting because you are the summation yeah. of all your experiences and it turned you to who you are now and it yeah. brought you a lot of success back then. He's like, it's, it's interesting, like like a little bit of like a superpower in some ways, maybe. Sure, you know, like uh, I, I had to discover ways of dealing with it on my own, right? Like mm. little tricks of dealing with it on my own. And I still had like 4.0 GPA in school and like, that you know, I still got like a full ride to 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 different schools, right? Not the one that I wanted to go to, but that's okay. I went to UMass, um, you know. So like, I, I still did really well, but I wonder. I, I just you just never know. So people listen to this and they're inspired by you and they want to reach out to you. Where's the best place to do that? Oh, by phone, definitely. <laughs> just, just give me a call. So your phone number is five five five. Uh, Twitter is is the place that I am more likely to be able to like actually respond. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm, I'm gonna try this whole TikTok thing. Why not? Yeah. You so know, mystery be... underscore guitar underscore oh, man. Boy. I need to change that. Well, I... someone has mystery guitar man. Someone does. That's how I oh. learned that that you have. Under... I was like, uh oh. All right. Well, Joe, thank you for being on Unfiltered Friends. Thank you. Thank and, you for having me. And I guess we'll be, I guess we'll, we'll still be friends after this. Still unfiltered. Well, my guess a little bit more filtering, but. Okay. It'll be Deal. worth it. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. <laughs> See you, man. Thank you, Joe Penna, for giving me your time and telling me your story. I've always been inspired by it and hopefully you are too. If you were, feel free to reach out to him and let him know how his story affected you. And if you want to support Unfiltered Friends, make sure you share it on social media, follow it on all podcast platforms and leave a review. And until next week, this was Unfiltered Friends.